0: What do you think about the Laker team now? Do you follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a
3: compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game
2: face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for
0: money anymore. Correct.
2: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers have begun a training camp, not quite like any other they uh they opened uh their first practice was today as we're recording on sunday but it's not quite the same usually training camp is that that first day of training camp is when everybody can hit the ground running everybody's there everybody's ready to go but uh covid and some of the protocols involved in that are not um allowing that right uh Frank Vogel mentioned today that Quinn Cook, who was signed the other day, is still going through the testing procedures. The Lakers don't have their Exhibit 10 guys in yet who help kind of fill out the bodies of training camp. And when you combine that with the quick turnaround, Vogel had actually quite a bit of interesting things to say in not only today's press availability, but yesterday's as well. That we want to get into where I think that he's got his work cut out for him in a way that's just different than any other year. Darius, you mentioned right before we started recording that he mentioned the there are just various challenges. That's a word that he's brought up in in different contexts. What are the challenges that you see from his perspective in getting this team up and running under completely unusual circumstances?
3: I mean, there's so many, man. One of the key ones that I thought was important that Vogel mentioned on more than one occasion. And there were some pointed questions about this as well, but it's something that we've talked about on the pod too, right? Which is this idea of striking the right balance in terms of having players prepared for game one of the regular season. And and so Vogel made a bunch of comments today. And I think it's been, I I think he said this yesterday as well, but, He wants the identity of this team to remain the same from what it was last year, which is he wants these guys to play hard. He wants these guys to compete nightly. And sort of a talking point that he relayed was this idea of we're going to want the game more than our opponent, right? It wasn't even framed from this idea of my expectation is, right? It or was, I'm hoping or right? Or it's I'm like ho- this is right. going to happen. Yeah, like basically this is what it is from my perspective. We are going to do this. But that's contrasted with the idea of the fast turn around and not having the full complement of guys that you would typically have at a training camp. Normally the Lakers would bring 20 guys to camp. Right? They've got 14 rostered players and two two way guys, if I understand correctly. Cook was not available today. So they have 16 guys minus Cook. That's only 15, right? Vogel also sort of skated around a question about who was all there at camp. He said outright, not everyone was even there, right? He didn't say who wasn't there or how many guys were not there. So, this idea, though, of ramping up to have everyone ready while having a quick turnaround, while not burning them out, while trying to ensure that they're ready to go hard by game one, it's totally new territory for everyone. And I think Vogel has a real challenge with that. And and even if he didn't use the word challenge directly related to this idea, he certainly expressed it with, with his words, right? Mike, like I heard you asking questions and you were there the whole time. Like, did you sense a different sort of tenor or tone from him while he was sort of speaking about the ramp up idea specifically?
1: Yeah. So it's a bit to me, like when all of the teams got to the bubble, And it was the same for everybody. So it was a new challenge. It was difficult, but every team had to go through the same thing. And this is now the case writ large in the league, except the major difference is COVID is actually a much greater concern, I think. Well, maybe I shouldn't say greater, but it's a different type of concern than it was in the bubble because they had been getting tested uh, for the two week period before even flying there. And then as we recall, there was not a single positive test once they all got To Florida. And that allowed, I think, a certain peace of mind, a certain ease uh, to weigh in, where it was the first thing they did in the morning coming out of their rooms was get that temperature check, get the test. So they, for the most part, were able to forget about that. And that's not going to be possible for teams now that they're in the real world. And I think that that's the real, the big different element that everybody in it was, whether it was Frank Vogel or Montres Harrell or Wesley Matthews that spoke today. Um, AD spoke yesterday, All that was more mostly about his new deal. And that, I think, is, the, is what Vogel is trying to wrap his head around. How, how do I try to get these guys, especially the new players, on board with the system, but, but not be able to do it like I want to and like any head coach would want to? And the mitigating factor is just for me that the rest of the league has to do it too. And the Lakers have LeBron. Right. So like they're ultimately it's one of those things where I I get back to, I think they're going to be fine out of this relative to the rest of the league. But there's no question, Pete, that it's a big challenge. It's different. And he doesn't have all the answers right now, nor should he. Uh, That's that's going to have to come day by day by day.
2: Yeah. And he doesn't have all of the resources either. One of the things he mentioned was he doesn't have all of the coaching assistants that he normally does, which are different than assistant coaches, right? Co- coaching assistants are the people that kind of help grease the wheels of a practice. You need a rebounder, you need somebody as a outlet passer, whatever drill that you're running, they're the people that help facilitate that. Somebody to like John Pastorek is like six foot eight, six foot nine. So he's a good guy to contest at the rim, right? As guys take layups and, and all of those, and John is on the, one of the videos coordinators, but you have all of these different people that help run a practice. And one of the things that Vogel mentioned was talking about building out their coverages. Uh, Rob Polenka spoke the other day as well. And that's always a treat because he doesn't speak as often as, as Vogel or really anyone else does. And one of the first things he's mentioned when... Building out the roster was that he wanted to be on the same page with Vogel in that, like, we're still a defensive team. This is what we do. This is what our identity is built around. But the idea of building out those coverages without all of the resources available. And the other thing that he mentioned was that, you know, they had the players' training camp before last year's training camp. They'd been playing all these games together. They were, co- as a collective, kind of ready to go in a place where they're not. Markeith Morris made a comment the other day of he hadn't picked up a basketball until the last week because he needed to get some rest, right? and And so being able to... Put his stamp on the defensive identity of the team without the normal resources on a completely different timetable. That's the first thing that I, I think that Vogel. <laughs> that's one thing I learned about him last year was whenever there's a problem, his answer is, seems to be like more defense. We're going to play better defense. We're going to address this on the defensive end. And I think the challenge is doing that on a different timetable time with totally different resources. Well, also too with new players, right? Sure and that but that was
3: true last year too right like where he it, it so yes yes it was uh, so the interesting thing is though is that this so this camp is very much going to mirror i think the camp for the bubble right it, it it's more like the bubble camp and where the the turnaround is a little bit tighter and the idea of of getting guys up to speed with some of the same sort of health concerns um right because this was something that we talked about on the pod if you recall this idea of all right well these guys haven't played in like a long time and but the games start sort of soon and they're gonna have to ramp up and is there a greater injury risk with that right and so It's sort of different now. The Lakers played kind of recently, like six weeks ago or whatever it was, the middle of October. And and then they took some time off. And now the idea of ramping back up quickly, those same sort of injury concerns exist. But at least with the bubble, it was all the same team. Right. And, and, And so the the learning of roles or what our coverages were or what our plans were those were all set in place and it's sort of like riding a bike right you're everyone sort of knew what was what and even if Avery Bradley didn't come and and Rajon Rondo gets hurt it's still like adjusting to the idea of these were our guys these were the roles and, and so one of the things that stood out to me with Vogel is he said, you know, today was a teaching day, right? But there's not a lot of days left. He, he like he mentioned that Wednesday was good, was going to be an off day for the team, right? And so today's, today's Sunday, they're going to practice three straight days. Then they're going to take a day off. And then Thursday is another practice. And then Friday's a game day right now it's a preseason day and he was asked specifically about like hey how much are we going to see LeBron out there like right I'm pretty
2: sure Mike's gonna play in that game
3: yeah (laughs) but Vogel was he was saying like look like you're probably gonna have to see LeBron a little bit at least right like I don't know if he plays on Friday but there's only so many of these games and then there's what three or four preseason games. And then it's the regular season and Vogel's idea of like, yeah, you know, what's the regular season comes, These guys are going to be going at it like full speed. I like, I want them ready. And the idea of, all right, well, is Braun like, okay, like what's he going to see? One shift, two shifts. Is that going to then ramp up? Is the fourth preseason game going, or is the third preseason game going to be one where he sort of doesn't play again. And then the fourth preseason, right. It's like everything is sort of short and shallow. And I'm with Mike that I don't necessarily think this is going to be a problem for the Lakers relative to the rest of the league, because everyone is looking at the same equation here, but that's not to say it's not a problem or a challenge because it is for everyone. And we're talking about the Lakers now. So what's it going to look like, Mike? Like, do you have concerns, concerns, not necessarily versus the rest of the league, but just from the perspective of the Lakers have to do this. And so what's it going to look like for them specifically? Yeah, so we're
1: recording this on December 6th, and it's not so much the first preseason game that I'm looking towards, which is, yeah, again, in a couple of days, but it's the opener is it's, uh, December 22nd. And so that's in 16 days. And that turnaround from get into camp, try to do some teaching, try to integrate new guys, but I don't know if we can necessarily all practice together, full speed, full court and who's getting te- like there's just a lot there um, that is definitely in, an impediment that is definitely a challenge. And, but I think the, if, if I'm going to fast forward and try to go big picture, whether it's the season opener or down the line, the thing that you would like to be able to do if you're a coach is to be like, okay, so we can't get everything in here on offense or on defense. LeBron, can you go? Uh, <laughs> can you go take, take care of this for us on the court? That just like get us through these for. And that's the advantage that they have, uh, right, over many other teams. There's nobody that uh, like Rondo. By the way, I think is going to help Atlanta in this kind of a context. Like another another somebody who just who can just go out there and sort of figure out a game plan. Look what the other team is doing. Like there's going to be a lot of, I don't want to call it street ball or pickup ball, but I I do think that that element is going to be there more so than any other year. And the other factor we haven't mentioned, which is not an issue for the Lakers is like rookies. Uh, These guys have had zero with their new teams. Yeah. And usually these guys, they're playing summer league, right. Then the coaches are analyzing the summer league film. They're good. So, so the Lakers, that's a, potential benefit there, especially compared to a team like the Warriors that may be leaning on a guy like Wiseman eventually. But like is he going to start day one? I, I doubt it. Maybe you let Looney or one of those guys go in there. So like and then the last point to Pete to kick this to you where I think the Lakers could get by in certain senses is all right, uh even if so let's say you're starting Schroeder and you're starting Marcusol, ultimately if you got to win the game fourth quarter, maybe you go to the unit that you know knows how to play together. So that's maybe where you go LeBron, AD, Kuz, Caruso, KCP. Like so you guys knew what, like, do what you did last year. As we start, and then, hey, maybe, maybe we'll integrate Trez here. Maybe we'll integrate Shooter, but that's another thing that they can fall back on.
2: No, that's a great point, and I, I think there are going to be a lot of games where you see forty-three minutes of street ball or more sloppy play. I think this is going to be one of the strangest years that we've ever had. I think this is going to be a, a weirder year than even the the bubble experience was, because that was more controlled. So I don't know in what direction it's going to be weird. I just think it's going to be unexpected. And you will see some more disorganized play at the beginning because this impacts everybody. The Lakers may be at an advantage in that they did play fairly recently. And, uh, you know, we were talking the other day, right, about, about Alex Caruso's comments uh, like, hey, I just got done playing and I've been out been able to keep that edge when I'm going out to play my pickup games and work on my game. And so there may be some guys on this roster that experience that Team USA World Cup type of boost of I just played and so I'm kind of ready to go. But... League-wide, that inability for coaches to fully implement their coverages and what they do, or at least that's going to be a slower process, you'll probably see some sloppier play into the beginning of the season, even more so than normal. I think there are going to be a lot of games where it's 43 minutes of that, and then the last five minutes, like when the Lakers want to win the game, it's going to be relying on those old faithful type lineups and hey, let's just pick up this W in these last five minutes and we'll be good from there on out. So it's
3: like like the last five minutes of an all-star game, right? Where it's like Uh, right where it's like (laughs) time to lock in, guys. And we're putting our best our best five, right? Or the five who we trust to go out there and win the game. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the starters, just like in an all-star game environment, right? Where where you're putting the guys out there who know how to win and the Lakers are pretty lucky. They have six key rotation players from last year still on this team. And, and so Mike mentioned coos, but Markeith Morris was a guy who got a shout out by name from Coach Vogel today when he was asked about the prospects of like what his center rotation might look like. Right. And how much is, you know, Trez is a center and Gasol's a center and who's going to start and classic Frank Vogel, he parried those questions away quite deftly. Uh, but when the idea was discussed about, hey, you know, that Anthony Davis guy, he's pretty good at center too. And Vogel went right along with that, like he sure is. And he said, we want a championship with AD playing next to Markeith Morris in the front court and so mike mentioned coups but it could just as easily be kcp caruso lebron morris and ad who are sort of your closing lineup right and and go out there and get us a win fellows just like you did in game six of the nba finals which was a pretty important game so i guess i see both sides of this right like it's I think the Lakers are well-positioned, obviously. They've got two top players and continuity from a championship roster. But integrating a bunch of new guys and getting them up to speed on what this team's identity is and all the intricacies that Vogel's going to want to go to eventually. I know you don't, this isn't the finals, and I don't mean the NBA finals. I mean like college finals, right, where you're just going to cram and cram and cram like there's some runway here with with the regular C's and, and Vogel's going to be able to get this stuff in to to his guys, but I mean, you know he wants, you know, a month long camp and you, you know, the ability in a week to go two days and all right, today we're doing defense only. And it's like there's not a lot of opportunity for that.
1: I've talked to some sources inside the building and word has it, Pete that Frank Vogel was considering playing Darius' speech from the last pot <laughs> to get these guys rolling. <laughs> like, you now here's the thing they, they were he he decided though he decided against it because they came with pretty good energy. Now if they come out flat he might like he may use it at halftime Hold that in reserve up, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like he yeah. didn't want to blow it, but he, but I, that's what, that's, this is according to sources close to the so, team.
3: So where you say that my speech is, it's like the Alex Caruso secret weapon for this season, Mike, that you yeah, no, might have to bust exactly, it out.
1: Hold <laughs> it exactly in your, right? You know, but I, I will say that playing super hard, that is another recipe or antidote to any early season sloppiness that may be brought on And. in, in I don't want to go too far with it like they still are going to have time frank vogel is going to get them prepared and even if it's just for one opponent here hey guys here's what we're going to do on opening night against this team follow this plan you know and then we'll kind of build on that as it goes on but they that is also where you can incorporate you know the shooter's is going to play hard you know that harrell's going to play hard you know that wesley matthews is going to play hard you, you know marcus all is going to play hard and smart so that can paper over stuff too and i it's another area where I think the Lakers are positioned pretty well. Then the the other element I would add to that, Pete, is basketball IQ. And again, Marcus All specifically Wesley Matthews plus some of the holdovers. That is another thing that if it, like it's not going to take those guys as long. Marcus All understands all of the defensive concepts that you can throw at him. There's not going to be a surprise. He's, he's played against it in the playoffs. He's, he's been schemed against defensively. So that's another area for me where I would feel more comfortable than if I'm trying to integrate some young dudes that are still trying to figure out how to play defense.
2: Very much so. And I think we're well positioned to win sloppier basketball because you've got so many of those guys with basketball IQ who can read and react situations, right? You're going to have Marcus Saul and Wesley Matthews reading a, a delay set, right? And that's something that both guys in their respective roles have done thousands and thousands of times. And they'll make the right read off of that early in the season. And I think that the right approach is for, well, Let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's let's talk about the approach that Vogel, uh, we think Vogel should take, considering the unusual circumstances that he's got ahead of him. The wait is finally over, and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it, and fast. Try Indeed out with our $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com backslash blue wire offers valid through December 31st terms and conditions apply. So I I would like them to build slow and strong. I think it's okay if we don't get it to everything by the beginning of the regular season, I'd rather them be good at, or on the road to good. You can't be good at really anything, even in a normal uh, preseason you can't be as good as you will be this early along in the process but to be solid at a couple of things on both sides of the floor is better than kind of superficially covering five or six or however many right and and when you combine that with the iq of the team i think on the offensive end, early offensive, you know, delays, pistol action, uh, the, the little quick hitters, you know, split cuts, all of the, the things that they can do that doesn't require a great degree of synchronicity. Fast break That's basketball too, Pete fast break yeah, basketball absolutely fast break yeah run push the pace um i i suspect that vogel will really emphasize the defensive end because he takes a lot of pride in that and i think that'll be so i i suspect that that will be kind of the basis of our team is trying to be as not sloppy on the defensive end as possible and then let some Pretty brilliant players figure it out on the offensive end, Mike, Mike. What's what's the type of approach you're looking for? Like, what's the purpose of this training camp? Where do we need to be by the time the regular season starts?
1: Yeah, Pete, you and I were on, and I think Terry, you may have been too, on Vogel's call today, and I was trying to to gauge some of that from from asking him questions about this and from sort of hearing his answers. And I think that since we know, and as you have said many times, he wants to start with defense but since we were like we're still just trying to understand what they're able to do at the ucla la health training center so we didn't get to the point of asking okay so how is this defense going to be different this year without Javale, without dwight you know with mark mm-hmm. with so that's the stuff that hasn't really been dug into yet and what so i don't know yet what frank is thinking and how they're going to try to implement that part of it but I don't that's that's a a long way of saying I don't think he he wants to change or evolve too much from the defensive sort of focal points, even if it's a little different with the with the the ridiculous level of rim protection that those seven footers brought. I still think that those concepts can stay relatively the same. Uh, And in fact, Darius, let me kind of kick it to you is how how possible is that to have close to the same scheme that works so well, but with some different personnel that have different strengths. How how can you how can Vogel try to mirror those things if possible?
3: Well, I think the scheme isn't going to change much at all, to tell you the truth. Like I know that we talked a lot during the Harold pod about putting Harold in better positions to be aggressive and that Pete so poignantly pointed out that Harold's not necessarily as effective in drop coverage that um, he could be he could definitely be used more as a blitzer or someone who plays at the level of the ball a little bit more in in pick and roll that you could utilize his scrambling speed and all of that and i think that all of that is true and that by the end of the season we'll definitely see more of that but Harold played in drop coverage last season for the clippers it's a scheme that he's used to the Lakers played in drop coverage last year. Marcus Gasol is going to be a drop coverage center. AD can do whatever in the world he wants to do defensively as a big man. I think the Lakers are going to play a fair amount of drop coverage. And it may vary in terms of how high they ask the big to play at the point of attack. But I can guarantee you that the ideas of no roller behind Pete and the ideas of like we are going to protect the rim, those are fundamental ideas of frank vogel's defensive philosophy and 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 so mike i don't think to answer your question i don't think a lot is going to change from last season i do think the lakers are going to be aggressive in closing out i do think they're going to ask their big men to rotate quickly and early back into help positions these are all things that every lakers big man is capable of doing And I think as the season goes on, you'll start to see them expand more and more and more. But honestly, guys, and Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, because no one watched more tape on this team last year than than you did. While we saw a bunch of flexibility within the Lakers defense during the postseason and a lot of switching up of schemes and styles and approaches. I thought during the regular season, they stuck to their fundamentals a lot with pretty much all of their rotations um they maybe threw a wrinkle out here or there at a james harden or a top flight perimeter player right to to sort of get the ball out out of that guy's hands a little bit more but for the most part it was like hey we're dropping right and then we're rotating behind that and then we're helping the helper and we're hoping to force you to reset am i off base with that
2: no, absolutely not. I would say 80 85% of basketball is getting good at what you do and it's not it's more that you're playing against the game than you are playing against the opponent. Now, opponents will alter what you do in especially in the playoffs, but what we saw the Lakers and Vogel spoke to this last season is the Lakers continued to work on the different versions of of themselves. And so they had a very definitive starting lineup, a definitive end of the first quarter, a definitive beginning of the second quarter, but the rotations were as solid and consistent as any Lakers coach I've seen in a long time. You knew right about when people were coming in, right about when people were coming out. That's really helpful, right? And so the Lakers played different styles within that, right? The way that their 80th at the five units would defend a little bit differently than if JaVale or Dwight were there and they didn't alter it that much. Right. Because it was a matter of like, yeah, maybe this lineup doesn't work against Houston. Remember we lost that game at home after they made the Covington trade. And it was like, Oh, this doesn't look like we fit that. And then that extended into game one of the series against Houston. And then, From there, we altered what we do, but getting our base coverages, our base versions of ourselves, that was something that Vogel did a wonderful job of throughout the year, even in player development, right? Whether it was, there were some games where we were throwing the ball to AD 17 feet from the hoop where I'm like, oh, let's run some high ball screens. And that came in handy though, come playoff time, right? Was developing those components of the team. I think that with respect to our bigs, I'm curious to see Harold's role because if in the minutes where Harold's getting alongside playing alongside Anthony Davis, I think Harold's more of a four than a five naturally defensively, anyway. I think he can tag and rotate and chase guys off of the three-point line. It's not just a five that where the pick and roll coverage is with his man setting the screens. I think him is a a help and recover type of guy is really, you know, something that he can thrive in. And so Experimenting with Harold's defensive role, I think, is one of the bigger storylines of the team on a basketball sense going forward. So I would see that more from the perspective of personnel rather than Vogel really changing his schemes.
1: thinking about Harold specifically, one one quote that he had today that stood out, somebody asked him about LeBron, and he said, it's not hard to play with one of the greatest players to play this game. He makes the game extremely easy for a lot of us on the floor. We just follow. Now that is a standard answer, right? You're going to hear that from a lot of guys if you ask about LeBron, but it is applicable in the context of starting the season where yes, he is going to make it super easy if you're on the floor with him. Cause he's, if you're not sure what to do, he'll just tell you, <laughs> he'll just point you over to the spot that you need to be in. And I think that'll end up bearing out more on defense. And that's something guys that Vogel was, was constantly talking about last year. Hey, you, you guys might not realize LeBron is always talking on defense. He's always quarterbacking and he's kind of the guy that's calling out the opposing player sets. I know you, you hear that about Rondo sometimes, but LeBron does that too. So, um, he will help in that context. And then we'll do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Good point, Pete. Good point. Pete. Yeah. Uh, Mark certainly can read all of the coverages right when they come down and tell people where to go and where to be. Um, and I think he'll do that at, uh, probably more than JaVale would. Uh, Dwight could be good at that as well at, at times last year, but on the other side of the floor, this is where sometimes I, I think you, you can, you don't have to complicate it too much. Run a screen roll with Schroeder and Harrell, right? Like the, and the other guys space out, you know, LeBron, we don't even need to go into trying to understand, like Ron's got that stuff covered too. Same thing with AD, you can go get your bucket. Kuz can go get you a bucket. So on that end of the floor, I think they've got plenty of solutions just based on talent. And it'll be, it will be Vogel's role and I think main focus, uh, Darius, to really emphasize getting these guys together defensively on the same page.
3: Yeah, and just to follow up, Mike, or, or to tack on to your point about offense, Vogel's eyes lit up today. When he was asked about things that these guys did well offensively, right? He got very animated and excited when talking about Schroeder and his speed and his ability to attack and how he can aid in the Lakers running game. Right. He got very excited about talking about Marcus. sol and running delay series and how it's not just Gasol's ability to be a pick and pop player, but his ability to pick and roll and then play in the short role as a passer. And he highlighted his passing ability several times. He was very excited when the question came up about Montrez Harrell and his ability to score as a post player from the left block and then also play in the pick and roll and, and be a short roll player as well who can then explode out of the short roll to get to the rim to finish or also be a playmaker for teammates out of the short role, And so just like you said, it's not going to be super complicated for these guys. And we talked about this a few pods ago, but AD loves to be a left block post-up player as well, right? So some of the same stuff you're running for Anthony Davis, you can run those same actions for Montrez Harrell, right? Like same some of the same pick and roll and pick and pop actions that you run for Harold and and for Anthony Davis, um, especially AD, you could run those same actions for Marcus right? Like you can swap out and run the same sort of things for KCP that you run for Wes Matthews. Right. So there is a lot of overlap in skill set, but diversity in the types of players that the team has whose ability to play within those actions because of their individual skills varies just enough that you're going to get different looks. You're going to and and be able to generate different outcomes depending on what the personnel is. Right. And so it's not just the Venn diagrams, not just a circle on top of a circle. Right. But. The idea of, all right, well, these guys, it's not going to be super complicated, but they're going to be still difficult to stop. I think that's going to aid in Vogel's ability to also skew more more defense in practice because, just like you guys were saying, on offense, we should be able to do a lot of things just naturally.
1: Yeah, Darius, that, that makes sense. It, it, there's There's part of that, too, that, it made me think about something that Vogel said today that I don't want to say it was a surprise, but I wasn't, ex- I wasn't expecting him to say it so directly, but the many of the questions that Vogel has gotten the last couple of days have been about Schroeder's comments, right. About starting and he's dealt with them um, as diplomatically as he, as he would. And he's so good at, right. There wasn't one time last year that any of us uh, that Vogel said something that, that was then later told to a player. And they're like, what? Uh, he's he's really good at that <laughs> So right a
2: good he field is, to have in los angeles yeah, by the way
1: he is he is providing no locker room um uh, mater- or wait what's the uh no bulletin board material there? thank right. you darius thank you yeah. darius not locker room material um yeah so bulletin board material back to coos he so vogel vogel goes uh in talking about schroeder as a potential starter he said well yeah that's absolutely a possibility we haven't gotten there yet but regardless he's going to play major minutes for us he's one of our most important players and then he brought up kuz in that same exact context and said and by the way kuz could he's another guy that could start he's another guy that deserved big minutes uh we lost danny green we lost that size on the wing and this is i know that the three of us had alluded to this as a possibility um given that that was a position where uh where they were going to need some additional size but It wasn't like somebody asked him that, right? Like as if we had had that discussion. So that I think bodes well for Kuz that he's already thinking that way. And I just, I was curious if you guys had heard that or taken anything out of it and how he, how Kuzma plays into this whole, this whole mix heading into preseason game number one.
2: Yeah. The defensive coverages, I'm a little more skeptical on Vogel's, well, I'm curious Is Vogel going to be able to run the same defensive coverages without having those vertical rim protectors? It's a fair question because his defenses have always been built around Roy Hibbert, JaVale McGee, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard. And the one time it was not was in Orlando, and that was when he was least successful on the defensive end. Right now, there are other factors involved, but I don't think that you can go. Like Marc Gasol is a phenomenal defender, but he's a completely different type of defender than Dwight or especially JaVale. And if Vogel needs to make adjustments, the type of size from Kuzma on the wing, the type of adjustment that Vogel will need to make to... Not having a guy who's a vertical threat defensively is pulling more attention down from the wing, and that was one of the things that going from Danny Green to Wesley Matthews, the more tape I, I watch on Matthews, I really I like him on the offensive end more than Danny Green. Uh, the thing I think we'll miss the most is that dropping down from the weak side that Danny Green did to bother to uh, to you know block shots to.
3: Yeah. Danny Green was just a great help defensive guard, man. Like he's probably one of the best help defensive guards in the entire league. And, and it's like there is no replacing those instincts that a player like, like that has,
2: right? And so, but it's not, but aside from the instinct, because Wesley Matthews has those instincts too. But the size, the actual yeah. big enough to bother you, if that's something that in With the absence of JaVale and Dwight and those, aside from AD, those kind of springy rim protector types, if Vogel needs to make an adjustment defensively to his scheme, I think Kuzma is going to be a crucial part of that because he can provide size that really we don't have on the wing aside from LeBron.
3: Can I just say too, Pete, and this speaks to Mike's question as well about the framework in which he brought up Kuz is also super important, right? Because he related him to Danny Green. Right. So. Right. Like, which is now almost fully transitioning him now to a perimeter <laughs> we player with the
2: five a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was
3: he came into the league as basically a stretch power forward. Walton did flirt with him playing some center a little bit. And early on during the season, the idea was, too, that he was going to play power forward. And he did next to LeBron, a fair amount. And the Lakers were super successful in lineups where Kuz was flanking LeBron and Anthony Davis. Those were good groups. The plus minus and net rating stuff, those were all fantastic. And and it sort of buoyed these thoughts that Kuz was going to be a real contributing player as that stretch forward, at, well, at that stretch sort of big forward position while lebron was the primary ball handler but as the season progressed and the season progressed and then during the finals and the emergence of markeith morris was another thing right after the buyout that kuz was playing almost exclusively on the wing and now you've got vogel unprompted bringing him up as a danny green replacement and, and and so that tells me that if Kuz is actually going to get minutes, it's probably not going to be at like the position that we all thought he was being groomed for last season, which was the stretch forward next to LeBron and AD or next to LeBron and another center. It's now more as probably like a two-three, right? Rather than a like a four-three, which is a different proposition entirely the
1: only the only thing I would say is especially as we know that LeBron and AD to a certain extent are going to be ramping up minutes wise that that I think allows Kuz to get some more of those three four you know branching up type minutes when when those guys like that's more of in a playoff game you're getting your 35 minimum minutes from LeBron and AD and then Kuz if you're going to play you have to play downsize more but I I do see that there'll be some opportunities for him to just Replace that their shot creation elements, um, which I think can come a little bit more as the four in that context. Uh, when when those guys miss some time early, but generally speaking, big picture, you're right for sure. I think I think he ends up downsizing into that wing more, which I remember Pete talking about all the time during the playoffs as like that's that's a spot where um, he can move his feet uh, laterally in in a way that allows him to do that.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a what the roster dictates too. The Lakers got a lot of guys that can play the 4 and the 5 spot between LeBron and Anthony Davis, Marcus Cole, Montrez Harrell. Those are some of our very best players. Yeah, Markieff right? Morris, right? And Morris. Yes. The, and and this is also some something that sliding Kuz down to that 2 3 type of role can get Keefe into into the rotation in ways that is obviously important to Vogel. That was another thing he brought up unsolicited was that duo, that AD Markeef Morris duo. And I, I would suspect that we'll see a lot of that as well. And so pushing Kuz down into that two, th- three role, it also gives us some size at that spot where a lot of our guards are not, they don't play big, right? Caruso is the only guy who kind of plays bigger than he is, but KCP Intruder in particular are not big guards, right? Wes Matthews can do it in a certain way, but he's not tall. And so this, who's being able to, to move into this position, I think suits his natural ability and it suits kind of the needs of the roster. It will give him the opportunity to play. My question for you guys is, is how much do, does his outside shooting, does his ball handling, do aspects of that become more important in that role or is it less of a big deal because we've got LeBron, AD, Schroeder and, and and all that?
3: Well, I mean, I think that you saw this some last season, right? With the types of plays that the Lakers had for their twos and threes, right? Who one of the main deficiencies that was on this roster last season was the lack of another elite ball handler or or really strong guard skills from the rest of the perimeter players right it's why it was one of the weaknesses that we talked about all season right pete so if if that's a general sort of weakness for Coos, or it's not at least a strength for him well guess what probably going to run more handoff sequences probably going to have him cutting more right and and sliding more into space rather than being like a pick and roll ball handler or or someone who's who's going to have to handle the ball a lot right and so maybe it's that he started to run some of that horns handoff action that we all loved so much that was a staple for kcp and for avery bradley so okay let's do some of that with with kuz as well so i'm i'm less concerned about the ball handling stuff, the shooting though, is going to be important. He's got to get back to being like a league average three point shooter, right? Because I think the guy who shot 38 or 39% on catch and shoot threes as, as a rookie, that guy seems like the anomaly based off of his last two seasons, right? Rather than his last two seasons being the the anomaly so he needs to get back up to being in that 35 to 36 percent range and from the corners thankfully kuz is a better corner shooter than than he is from above the art or from above the break and he needs to continue to hit the corner three in like the 38 39 or 40 percent range because if he can live in like in that range then he's going to be super useful as as an offensive player. But the shot has to fall. It just has to.
1: You know what? I think I think why he's more efficient in those spots than above the break is because he's almost always in a catch-and-shoot spot when he's in the corners. And when a lot of the times, and this is especially – Even last year, really, when he was asked to create a shot more, he was just taking some bad shots and they were sometimes end of clock. Sometimes he would get the ball thrown to him. And and many of those threes where he's not set and he's kind of off the dribble, uh, those those to me affected his percentages, too. So if if they could get him in spots where he's set uh, and awaiting the ball, um, I think that, you know, I don't think there's any reason mechanically that he can't be more accurate from above the break than he was, Uh, but you're right. The numbers are pretty disparate in terms of uh, where he shoots the three from.
2: I would love to see him get some minutes with uh, Marcus Saul. He's a guy. I I think Gasol will likely start just based on Vogel's uh, rotation last year, but maybe not, but, Kuz's ability to cut and slip screens and do all of that are really would fit well alongside Gasol in a way where his catch and shoot three point ability would be minimized a little bit, right? Like he can be setting and slipping, he can be part of that elbow series, part of those delays. Uh, I, I could see Kuz in in those lineups really, really thriving. So I'm curious. Kuz's role has been shifting throughout really his entire career. And this kind of represents another one of those shifts. But I think he's finally shifting into the most appropriate version of himself. And between. Matthews' ability to hit those wing threes if Kuz can be hitting filling deep corner that that discrepancy between how is he shot in deep corner versus wing like there's something to work with at the very least there with him as a three point shooter it's not something where if you can you can get him into the right spots and have him be a very effective part of a lineup
1: quick note on Marcus All and I agree. I think that's the the easy answer to start at center. The question is, and I'm going to knock on wood here, but if Mark either misses time due to the you know due to the fact that he's getting up there in terms of NBA experience years and the shortened offseason and all that kind of stuff, then you don't quite have that automatic slide in. Dwight Howard can start as a big center that you had last year. Right. You could have, you could of course start Matres Harrell, but again, that's a different type of defensive center certainly. And then AD is your best room protector. And you're basically starting AD in certain contexts at center. Uh, you could start Keith and then you're going small like they did to some effect, but we saw that they did not opt to play that way ever in the regular season, at least from a starting lineup perspective. So Devontae Kaycock, uh, who I really like, but, you know, he is, he's still, he's not a Dwight Howard, Javel McGee type size player. He's more of a kind of a classic power forward body. He is super bouncy. He is a great rebounder, but, you know, you wouldn't think of him as that as an NBA five rim protector. Um, again, like those guys. So that is, that is one spot in the roster where, um, maybe they are a little bit more dependent on Mark, uh, than, than you, than you would say at almost any position last year. Of course, exempting LeBron and AD. Where if you if any team loses their superstar, again, not on wood for any period of time. So that that is one thing, Pete, that that occurred to me when just thinking about Mark and how you know maybe that he is a, a bit more important, and we're gonna have to kind of see how he looks f- from where he was last year.
3: Well, just from the idea of Mike, I think that's a great point about relying on Gasol. I also think, though, that this is where we come back to the idea about identity, right? And the uh, the Lakers' identity shifting some and that they clearly are not going to be the te- the same team that they were last year. If Gasol can't play, I think they're going to start Harrell. I think they're probably going to have Harrell defend the center like he did during his time with with the Clippers. I think they're going to put AD in as many off ball help situations as as they can so he can be sort of just like he was last year this heat seeking missile off of the ball that is more of the rotating guy who is rotating both to the rim to challenge shots and back out to the perimeter I think if if you gave anyone but especially Frank Vogel truth serum and you said who do you want as a helper more do you want it to be anthony davis or montrez harrell i could guarantee you he'd say anthony davis right and you will live with harrell being in a position where he has to hold up more as more of potentially like um, a pick and roll defender at the point point of attack in one five or primary ball handler and the five man pick and rolls and and him being in drop coverage or even holding up one-on-one in the post. If it's Anthony Davis, who is the one who's on the weak side, sniffing out actions and, and really trying to take away stuff at the rim or reading that in between read where he's like, okay, well I'm helping. No, I'm back out to the perimeter. And that's one of AD's specialties. He's not only a great point of attack defender, a great one-on-one defender, against post players, but also he's one of the elite help defenders in the entire league. So is it different than having another big bod body back there? Yeah, it is. I think though, that the, the Lakers are going to live with that and, and probably reap some rewards too, of having Harrell on the offensive end against some, some of those, those, those yeah. guys too. So it's not or beef, or beef offensively, right? Yeah. Like, so is it the same? It's, it's it's not, but I think we're all going to have to get used to the idea that this team isn't going to be the same as last year. And as much as it would have been nice to have um, a seven footer in reserve who would never play unless Gasol goes out, right? The, I I mean, they didn't go in that direction. They signed Quinn Cook instead. And I get it. Like Cook's a, Cook is familiar with this team. He's a great locker room guy everyone loves Quinn and they went in that direction instead of chasing another big man who is maybe another guy who you have to have a conversation to about like, Hey, you know, you're not playing again tonight. Right. Which is a, not a conversation you have to necessarily have with cook. He understands his role.
1: And Pete, if, if they ever had to get to, uh, if they ever, let's say that that becomes a actual concern over the first couple of months of the season, then you can address that at the trade deadline if you need to and and that is the easiest position to find if you're looking just for kind of a big so
2: absolutely they'll you know the lakers with the hard cap have put themselves in a position where more money will become available after the amount that's prorated that would be due basically come the buyout deadline the lakers will be in a position to add one more guy that can feel whatever need. And maybe it's there. Maybe there's an injury. Again, I think right. this is going to be a very unusual season. And so they'll be in a, in a spot to be able to do that. But I think that both of your your points regarding Gasol and regarding just that this is going to be a different team, I think the main purpose of training camp is going to be starting to answer those defensive questions of yeah. can you play the same way with Marcus Gasol and Montrez Harrell at the five as you did with JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, Where does Dennis Schroeder fit in defensively, who's a little bit smaller as a guard, right, but has defensive ability? Beginning to get answers to those questions while getting good at a couple of things rather than, again, trying to get everything solved at once, I think is the route to go. And it would kind of mirror what Vogel did last year, although under very different circumstances. So looking forward to seeing how that develops. Um, We also got the schedule. Uh, this this past week so on the next show we're gonna dive into that but until then you've been listening to Laker Film Room podcast we'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale McHale wants to turn these double team just pass out of front broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic Worthy dies on his belly magic scores.
3: Magic got it Magic fires it's and yeah, the Lakers win the game the Lakers win the game. Three seconds left Van Exel to the winner. It. it's on the left
0: There's the There's move, the goal. two, one, Miss it! it. It's over. And shot popping out of five. Yeah. Bryant. Yes! Yeah. And that was a little tap to Albert Gentry. That insult <laughs> to injury, Kobe. I mean,
1: what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds
0: remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic.